Hello and welcome to Tambellini's Top of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Ilkani, and I'm joined today by Laura Bray. Laura is the Vice President, College Advancement and External Communications at Milwaukee Area Technical College. She also serves as the Executive Director of the Milwaukee Area Technical College Foundation. Welcome to the show, Laura. I'm really excited to have our conversation today all around your work and fundraising in particular. Caitlin, it's great to be with you today. Tell me more about Milwaukee Area Technical College. Sure. So Milwaukee Area Technical College is the largest community and technical college in the state of Wisconsin. Um, There are 16 different community and technical colleges throughout the state that are part of a system. Um, And we are have about 30,000 students on an annual basis. Oh, 90% of our students are part time. Our average age is 29. And so we have both students that are coming directly from high school, um, and we have technical diplomas and certificates as well as associate degrees. And then we have a lot of students that are, are using um, MATC as a jumpstart to a four-year college as well. So we're the largest college in the state in terms of the size of our population of students of color and equity and inclusion. Uh, we have 107 programs that range everything from firefighter and police officer training to, um, you know, pre-engineering to technology degrees. Um, so we really are a full service organization that, that serves our area. The Milwaukee area is over a million people, metropolitan, um, and our district serves, you know, hundreds of schools um, that are primary and secondary schools that are feeders for our students and our college. So I'd love to hear more about your work in equity. And I know we're going to, we're going to talk about that later in our discussion. And we've also discussed you and I, this new adoption of the guided pathways framework that you've done. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. Um, You know, one of the biggest initiatives that we did that involved the foundation and our fundraising is we launched a privately funded promise program. So that is a last dollar scholarship where we have private contributions that are used um, in order to close the gap from what the cost of tuition is and what a student's Pell eligibility is. So that's called a last dollar scholarship. And we were the first in the state in, in Wisconsin that launched that program. And then we expanded it to adults. So not only is it for students that are coming straight from high school, but we also expanded it for those that started but didn't complete a degree. And that was a huge part of our equity agenda because what we found is that a lot of the students even um, even though they, they may have some access to Pell, that there, there just wasn't the feeling that people had um, within their reach, the accessibility to even pursue college. So they just wrote it off as a possibility for them for their career advancement. But what we found is that um, once you have access, if your systems within the college themselves are not set up for equitable outcomes or for truly for student success at the, at the highest that they possibly can be, that it, you don't get folks to the finish line. 
And so we've really taken a look at the data within our institution, both around an equity lens, but also just in general of our completion and, and our um, student success, and realized that our own structures were getting in the way. And so we've adopted Guided Pathways as the framework to restructure um, how our schools are organized, how our programs are grouped, how advising and counseling works, um, actually like restructuring lines, uh, positions throughout the entire college, our whole um, online or our whole experience for students coming into the college has changed. And we've also been a part of something that's called, or the Achieving the Dream, we're Achieving the Dream cohort school this year, brand new. And then also we've just become a part of something called the Moonshot for Equity that the EAB just launched. And we have a regional approach in Milwaukee where four different colleges have joined together to really link our strategies around equity. So are looking at best practices from advising to counseling to how, how scholarships are structured and how we do um, emergency grants and all of that to really link it more to student success and specifically to um, success in equitable outcomes and really removing some of those, those gaps. So it's data-driven, all of the things that I mentioned, it, a lot of technology, things like adopting EAB Navigate, um, really, really focusing on the structures and the processes within an institution that at scale can bring very significant outcomes um, for students. That's wonderful. And you've been doing all of this in the midst of COVID. So many things have been changing. I'd love to hear more about, you know, what have you seen, you know, as you've been, been making these, these changes and, and shifting more towards having more equity in, in your programs and really making that commitment, how has your fundraising tracked to those goals? And are you seeing uh, giving continuing to grow? Has it stalled? Well, you know, it's funny with the Guided Pathways change, that structural change was set to go into place um, March 13th uh, last year. And um, we were off by one month. So we were able to still keep pace with all those changes from a structural perspective and we're continuing to fine tune. In terms of fundraising, um, you know, when I, we set our goals around March or April for the next academic year. And I remember meeting with my president and saying, I do not know if our, if we could reasonably hit, um, we had a, a $2.5 million year the year prior. And, and as a college, we're, while we're a large college, I would call our fundraising program still fairly immature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a public school, and especially I think the community colleges um, haven't had as strong of, of a fundraising arm. Mm-hmm. And what we've been really trying to do is knowing the needs that our students have and knowing that we, we really are a lifeline to the kind of career advancement students have and that, that, that the foundation and our fundraising has become an integral partner to all the student success measures that we're trying to do. So I t- said to my president, I don't know if we're going to hit 2.5 million again, because this pandemic, people's giving strategies are going to change. It's harder to reach them. A lot of our donors are donors where their affiliation to don- donating to us is through their place of work. And we mm-hmm. don't have their home telephone numbers, like the basic way of getting in touch with people. Mm-hmm. And their affiliation was kind of upended. And I said, I think we have to set a goal that's, that's lower. And rightfully so, my president said, absolutely not. 
because it's super critical. Our, our students in our community has never needed us more. And so we have, um, we went ahead and, and had that same goal as we did last year and said, if not, we should even try to exceed it because of the need. And I've got to tell you, our community has responded in a huge way. Um, you know, we're 50% of the year, the end of the year, into our academic and our fiscal year, and we're 91% of the goal that we set out. It's unbelievable. We've raised over $2 million and, um, and I think we're going to exceed the goal that we set out. And we have some people that have given, you know, sizable gifts, our average gift sizes up, but we have new donors that came, that came in as well. If you've had to change how you are using technology platforms to keep pace because you can't do in-person events, right? Everything is online. As you said, you didn't have the same contact information for people now that they might not be in offices and that sort of thing. So did you have to, you know, rapidly adopt a new technology strategy? I think that um, what we have found is that, um, you know, we had adopted Razor's Edge, their newest platform, that their their online platform, and quite honestly, not being having having adopted the web based format last year, was a huge plus to our development team because we weren't tied to the mainframe at at the college. So mm-hmm. that was actually I didn't even think about that until now. So all of us have access to that without even having to go through the portal of the college, which sometimes can be a little bit slow, is what we've experienced. So just even making sure we have the information in front of us in order to manage our, our um, relationships and our, um, our pacing. You know, as we actually, as a college, um, we used to do a golf outing. Um, and several years ago, we just looked at the cost benefit of that event and have found that the individual fundraising strategy and the individual cultivation has been a lot more powerful and a, a lot more in terms of... Um, rather than events. So we're, we're right now um, finding that the hardest bit um, has not been able to have people on campus who are especially who are newer in the institution may not understand the depth of what we do, not being able to give tours. And so we are actually like that to us, when we're building new relationships, it gives a picture of what we can do. And granted, we have we do have classes that are occurring on, on, on campus to some extent, especially in classes where it's absolutely necessary that those classes be taught in person, firefighting, um, culinary. But what we're doing is these really neat Zoom meetings where we've been able to have um, students, scholarship students meet directly with their donors. And it's actually been really intimate. Um, we've done a couple of recordings of videos where someone said, um, you know, I think my mom might be really interested in seeing this. And this is a lot lower pressure if she can watch a recorded video of students and not necessarily meet with the president quite yet, because she might not be at a donor, like at a place to have a meeting with the president yet, where there's pressure that she might be asked to give, but this could give her such a flavor and she could do it in the safety of her own home. I never thought I'd hear that. Like that, that by having these vignettes of, of get togethers with donors and, um, and students could be also used as a, as a way, not only to build some relationships between that individual donor and the students that they've supported, but it also might be something that, um, another donor went that sparked their interest. So I would say that the virtual meet and greets have been huge. 
And then the other thing that we've really focused on is, um, is engaging the board of the foundation. So um, we've been able to do these, these kind of Zoom, um, get to know the college better because they aren't on campus. They're not able to tour different classrooms. And this way they're able to meet the students, the staff behind, behind the programs we're trying to implement. And those have been extremely helpful. And it's really helped us um, have these meetings where they get a real sense of the depth behind what we're trying to achieve and, and do. And then we have a board meeting where they're taking actions on and individually taking actions, both with their personal commitment, but also thinking about how their company might become more engaged in what we're trying to do. So um, there's been blessings in the midst of this um, that, that really we've tried to create, use the technology as a way to create um, connections and individual relationships. That's really wonderful to hear. I feel like people have found strategies through the pandemic that you may even wanna continue after we go back to a more, you know, normal lifestyle, but that allows for maybe even being able to find donors now outside of your physical area, right? I mean, looking for people who may have moved out of the area who couldn't come uh, in there in person, but who could still be a great donor option. There's, and, and now you have these, these virtual events and the process already set up. So there's been some really interesting silver linings, I think, from from all of this change. But what have you seen in terms of when you look at your your virtual events? Are you doing also specific fundraising campaigns? So are you looking at uh, emergency pandemic relief and scholarships for affected students just of the pandemic? Are you doing things that specific? So we. Um for the promise campaign, the promise that I mentioned earlier, um, because other states have, have funded that through public dollars, like in mm -hmm. the state of um, Tennessee, for instance, they fund it entirely this last dollar scholarship through public funds. So in order to make that promise, the promise happen in Milwaukee, we need to have private donors. And we were getting ready at the beginning of this year to launch a major campaign. And that's where we were heading toward. And we had to really put that um, the, the kind of like the public phase of the campaign on hold. And so, like I said, our, our, our focus, um, has been really more friend raising than fundraising and preparation for that. We've done two major, well, really one really interesting, um, fund that we established as part of this. And I think this might spark, um, some other people listening. We call it the healthcare heroes fund. And for our students that are taking, um, that are finishing and completing degrees in healthcare, one of the things that stands in the way from them practicing is getting their licenses. And when you have people that are um, not yet working or, um, you know, kind of working where they're coming from lower incomes and getting into a uh, family supporting job, that, that um, first job is a really, is a tough thing to, to get. And often people have expanded, expended all their resources and so um, the licensure can cost anywhere from like $500, $250, and in some cases, $1,000 to get licensed to practice. And everything from respiratory therapy to, um, you know, we have a really strong associate nursing program. And so we actually set up a fund to pay for the licensure and fees as a graduation gift. So every single person that was graduating in a program that required a license in May of uh, 2020 received a 
uh, graduation gift, no questions asked, you didn't have to apply of the amount that was required in order to get that, that license. And then we were able to do the same thing in December. And um, it was such a great way to engage donors. It was such a great way to honor people making the choice to go into the world of healthcare at a time when they're needed most, and quite honestly, when they're most at risk. And so, um, and, and what an amazing thing to stand up and say, this is an area I wanna go into at a time. And so from a technology perspective, we had to figure out in a systems perspective, like how do we, what tools can we use to, um, to make sure that they get the payment and all of that. It, it was kind of out of our normal cycle of awarding scholarships. So um, even just the systems in place in order to make that happen took a little bit of time. That's amazing. That's wonderful to hear that you were able to gift those, the, the licensure costs. I know that's a, that's a big problem in a lot of fields. It's, you know, healthcare. I'm seeing that I do a lot of work within cybersecurity, now being able to pay for certifications necessary to get jobs is a huge barrier to entry. It's a, it's a big equity problem. And one of the things you mentioned earlier that I want to make sure we discuss a little bit more before we drop is the work that you're doing with Moonshot for Equity uh, with EAB. So can you tell us more about that? The Moonshot for Equity is a regional approach to higher education where we sign on to, um, you know, similar to the Moonshot, the idea of what would it take to land on the moon? What would it take to really remove the equity barriers that are there so that we just have, have remove equity gaps. And so the Milwaukee Area Technical College, Carthage College, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and University of Wisconsin-Parkside all joined together where you know, combined our um, institutions really set some goals where we're looking at very specific ways, not only can we look at articulating between our different colleges, but also adopting best practices at scale um, so that we create, we're looking um, both at Houston GPS and at Georgia State University to be mentors for us in doing so. And really, really looking at both systems for um, first generation students or any students that get in the way from um, Everything's from like housing and employment opportunities that that might be paired, cooperative opportunities, that those are the kind of things that we can um, really align um, and improve across colleges in removing the removing equity gaps that exist. And then you're using EAB Navigate as part of this project. You've got it. So as part of this, that we really adopt EAB Navigate as um, the framework that each of the colleges are tracking students. So, I mean, it's such an amazing resource so that a individual guidance counselor or a academic advisor is really able to see a snapshot of where students at, how close are they are to program completion and really help on very specific ways of improving that individual student's outcomes, identify maybe if they didn't show up for class or if their grades are slipping, that you get these retention alerts and it's much more embedded in the program, but it isn't just for that individual student or individual who's an advisor working with an individual student to have the data they need to help that student, but we're also able to really look as a whole to say, what is the data um, telling us for all students where we really have to improve systems? You know, one of the things that for for our region, 
56% of white students in our region earned a college degree with or a certificate within six years in 2020, but only 32% of Hispanic students and 20% of Black students completed degrees in that same time frame. So if you look, I mean, our region is just... Um, it, it's, it's, it's in some ways a microcosm of the rest of the country in terms of a lot of the equity gaps, but, but in a lot of ways, um, our region is one of the worst. I mean, we have the highest in black incarceration, black male incarceration in the country in, um, in Milwaukee. And there's just so many things that we know that as an institution, both we're in a system where there's just a lot of things that get in the way of ensuring that people have an equitable path to be able to have the careers and, and the future for their lives. Um, and this is a real commitment from those institutions, all, all of those institutions to say where we can make changes, where we get in the way of success, we are going to remove those barriers. And we are, this is not acceptable to have you know, um, 20% of African-American students complete degrees in the same time frame where 56% of whites did. I mean, for mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways, we want to increase that completion for all areas, but we have so much more work to do to really support the people of color in our region. Laura, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing all of the great and really impactful work you're doing. It's been really nice to hear about the great initiatives that you've been focused on and, and been able to really keep your eye on during this challenging time. Yeah, it's just, it's, you know, we have worked harder, I'd say during this time and, and needed the word pivot comes up in every conversation, but um, we're reminded every day about the potential of our students. We celebrate their achievements and we know that we can create systems and processes and structures that, that lead to more success for future students and we're committed to do so. Thank you so much. It's been really nice having you on the show today. Thanks for inviting me. That's the end of this Top of Mind podcast. Thanks for joining us and listening in. We'll be back next month with a new topic. And in the meantime, don't forget to check out all of Tambellini's free resources at thetambellinigroup.com under our blog and podcast section. And you can also see our member-only resources and all of the really interesting new reports coming out in 2021. 